there are times when we work through a book of the Bible and we preach through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and line by line, where you will inevitably face a challenging passage. And when you preach expository, then you can't go around it. You've got to face it head on. And that is what we have here this morning. It would seem as if James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, have been cut out of an Old Testament book, a prophet book, and pasted right here in the book of James. As we read these six verses, and maybe you've already read them in preparation for today, it would seem as if this were Amos or Isaiah that is getting in the face of some people of how they are using God's resources. So, buckle up, get ready, because let's read these six verses together. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. and He does not resist you. Father, would you take these words now that are very much in your face that challenges some church members there in the church of Jerusalem. And I pray that you would challenge us by these words and bring about a conviction of sin and an openness to hearing your way that we would change through Christ. Amen. Well, I don't have an outline for you like most Sundays. I had the opportunity to preach yesterday at the conference, and so I was occupied by doing two messages for this weekend rather than just one. So how about instead we just put our finger right there in verse 1, and we'll just work through these six verses together. Maybe we'll find that even more refreshing. Let's look at James chapter 5, and let's look at what God would say to us here in verse 1. Come now are the first two words. These words are akin to our, listen up, I've got something to say, get this of what I'm about to say to you. And the next few words here in verse 1 are, you rich. So he is identifying the people in this Jerusalem church who are wealthy, and he has some words for them. Now we're going to find out that God is not opposed to the rich. But these people who are rich in these six verses are mishandling the funds that God has supplied them with. If we look at the whole of Scripture, we'll find out that some of the most godly men, the the father of our faith, Abraham, was a very wealthy person. We find out that God is the source of wealth. 
You can look at Proverbs 10, verse 22, that says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As we've worked through the book of James, we've discovered that our hearts are revealed in our words. But our hearts are also revealed in the way we use his resources. And that is what we find out here in James 5. If you are acquainted with the Gospels, then you remember there was a time where Jesus encountered the widow with two mites. In Luke chapter 21, it says there that Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. What is so significant about that in the context of the widow and the widow's might is that Jesus was looking at the offering box to see what people were putting into it. Evidently, Jesus is concerned with how we use his resources. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessions. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, God richly supplies for us with everything to enjoy. God offers us possessions to enjoy. But here in this passage we find out that he is addressing a group of people that are misusing his resources. And we're going to find out that he is going to lay into them. Now it could be this morning that you've said, you know, I've gone through all sorts of financial classes of how to use biblical principles in my finances. I think I will be able to check out on this one. And I want to urge you not to. Sometimes we can learn something from a message that is directed to someone else. Likely in this church, there are some people that might not even be Christians there in this church of Jerusalem. And James is confronting their sinfulness. And he is going to come all over them. And it would benefit us from over, just overhearing what he has to say. When I was in 5th and 6th grade, our family lived up in northern Minnesota in a town called Hibbing. Some of the best years of my life. And there I attended Cobb Cook Elementary School. Now this was in the good old days. When if you got unruly in class, the teacher would have you come forward and he would say, grab your ankles. And you would grab your ankles and he would just wallop you in the backside. And it was a way of getting your attention. Now being in northern Minnesota, they didn't often use a ruler, they would use a hockey stick. (laughs) And not a narrow one, but like a goalie stick. You know how it's wide and they would chop it off? And that is what they used. And it wasn't so much... The physical pain, it was the embarrassment of really standing up and and looking your classmates in the eye as you would go down and you would get disciplined. Now there was another teacher there that employed another technique to getting people's attention. Instead of spanking with a hockey stick, he would just simply call out a student in, in class who was unruly and say, I'd like you to meet me on the hallway. And the student would go out in the hallway and he would place his back against the wall and he'd stand like this. And that teacher, who was in his late 40s and he had a strip of hair, kind of like mine where it's balding right here, he was maybe only 5 foot 10 or so, but he would get right at their level like this. 
and he would look them in the eye, and with his big bony finger, he would yell at them. Again, the good old days where you could do that. And he would say to them, who do you think you are? I am the teacher of this class. I will not let you get away with this. If you continue to do this, I will walk you down to the office. We will call your parents. They will come and get you. Knock this off. And not only would the people in the class overhear that, but the whole hallway where there was about four or five other classes going on. This was a very effective tool for discipline. Because we were overhearing someone experiencing a rebuke. And this word this morning may not be precisely for you. You might say, hey, that's what I, I think I'm okay. But I think that if you will hear the passion behind Pastor James' words here, we will all be able to take note. How about the resources that God has given to me? How am I using these resources? It could be that James' words here in James chapter 5 are directed primarily to the tares in the church. What I mean by that is there are wheat and there are tares. There are people that are believers and there are people that look like believers but have not been regenerated, have never truly been born again. And in James' wisdom, he's just letting the church in general have it hoping that people would come to repentance. So look with me at what it says in the next verse here. It just says, come now, you rich. And then it says, weep and howl. Now the word weep here is not that, that one in which little water kind of forms in our eyes and we take a handkerchief and we wipe it out because we're, we're ashamed or we're embarrassed of crying. This is the one where we cry with gusto. This is the one where we just bellow. This is the one in the New Testament when someone died, they would say, Oh God, I've experienced this sadness. I'm so sad that they are gone. And this is what he's saying to the rich. You ought to weep. And then he says in the next part, and howl. Now this is one of those words that the, the, the actual way the word is said expresses how is it applied. So it's kind of like a dog that is howling. How? Well, it is the same thing here. Out of sorrow, you're howling. Why? Why, according to verse 1? Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. He is saying to the rich, judgment is coming. You are mishandling God's resources. It would be most appropriate for you right now to cry because of what's awaiting you. Now, there are three different ways of which they are mishandling God's resources, okay? So the first one is that of hoarding. Hoarding, stockpiling. And we saw that this morning in the way Joshua handled his money, right? He was just receiving it, and he was putting it in his pockets, he was putting it in his socks, he was just handling it. Meanwhile, there were people all around him that were hurting and that needed it. But all he did is he kept it for himself. Well, let's look at this in verse 2. It says, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. So there are three different expressions in these next two verses of wealth. The first one here is the word riches. This is a general term in the Greek that that it refers to a broad spectrum of wealth. But when paired to the next part, your riches have rotted, the word rotted here in the Greek would be used towards food. In other words, it might be about grain. 
So the rich, here in the context of James chapter 5, have accumulated a lot of food, have accumulated a lot of grain, more than they could possibly eat. And while there are people all around that need it, they're just stockpiling it. And it's actually rotting. So the next part we see, first expression was that of just in general riches. The next part is that of garments, of clothing. This could have been cloaks. This could have been robes that might have had some uh, jewelry sewed in. And do you see what's happening with their clothes? What is the purpose of clothes but to keep us warm? But for the rich here in, in James 5 too, they were using it to distinguish themselves, to make a statement. And they have so many clothes that moths are eating them. In other words, they're not able to wear all the clothes that they have. And all the husbands say, Amen. All right. This is a problem, James is saying. You are, you are just hoarding what God has provided for you. You have more food than what you could eat. You have more clothes than you could possibly wear. And then the third expression of this wealth is found in verse 3. It says, your gold and silver have corroded. So it's, it's actually gold and silver. Now let me ask you a question. Does gold and silver rust? Best I know it doesn't. But theirs is because it's being stockpiled. It's being hoarded. It's wasting away. And we see it, what it says here. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you. It's as if to say there is being a case being built against you by how you are using your resources. This is a scary thought, is it not? That there's being exhibit A and exhibit B and exhibit C of what we have and are we using it. There's being a case built against you. That's what James is saying here. And then listen to this. It will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear a passage like that, right? What in the world could be speaking about here? Speaking about the judgment of God, eating your flesh like fire. What could that be talking about? Hell. He is speaking to people within the church that profess to be Christians and are misusing God's resources. They're just simply hoarding them. And he says, you ought to weep and wail. Because you're just stockpiling stuff. And this stuff is going to be used against you at the judgment. So the first reason that they should weeping and wailing is that they're hoarding stuff. The second reason is the way they have accumulated this wealth is through dishonest methods. Through dishonest methods. Look with me at verse 4. He says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. So if you're following along with the logic, why are these people that are connected to the church there in Jerusalem, why are they wealthy? Well, evidently they're like these large-scale farmers. And they are able to get this crop of grain that allows them to buy clothes and, and to compile gold and silver. And so they're getting all this money in exchange for their gain, 
But what are they doing with their expenses? The, the laborers that are working for them, do you see what's happening? They're not paying them. They are not paying their debts. And this is what it says there in verse 4. The wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. Who's crying out against the rich people? The paychecks. The paychecks are crying out. So a paycheck's being personified here. And saying, God created me to be a blessing to all these people, but these rich people are just keeping me back and not allowing me to be released to help these people. And they're crying out, God, help us to be used for what you've intended us to be used for. It's not only that kind of crying out, but we'll see the next part of verse 4. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So it's not only the paycheck that's crying out, but it's actually the laborers that are crying out as well. Now let me just ask you a question. If you were in that church there in Jerusalem, and remember, these are people that have been dispersed. These are people because of the persecution that is taking place of the gospel of Christians. They are losing their homes. They are losing their jobs. And they are, they're in a transitional living. And now they found a job where they can work. And they're dependent on that wage to provide for their family. And then you hear the pastor. You hear God's word being directed towards these rich, unjust landowners. What would that be like for you to hear that word? being read at church. Would it not be encouraging? Would it not be like, you know what? God has not forgotten us. He's going to address this with these guys. As you keep your finger there in James 5, why don't you turn with me to Deuteronomy. Let's just see how clearly God's word spoke out against these unjust business practices of the rich. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy 24. In God's law, there are some business practices that he prescribed his people to operate by. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 24. Look at verse 14 and 15. You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land with your Towns. Verse 15, you shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. When were these laborers to be paid? On the same day. Why? They needed daily bread. These workers were dependent on the wage in order to provide for their family. And these rich people that were attending church were not doing that. So James is getting down right at their level and he is letting them have it in such a way that the whole church hears it. And you see how encouraging that could be to the church family of that day. So there's two reasons we've covered so far why they need to weep and wail. The first is that they're hoarding. The second is because they have been accumulating this wealth 
by unjust ways. And then thirdly and finally, the other reason why they need to weep and wail is because they've been selfish. They've been selfish with the resources that God has given to them. Look with me at verse 5. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. The word luxury here is you have you've played it soft. You've accumulated this stuff so that instead of a hard life, you would not hold withhold one good thing from yourselves. This has all been about you just accumulating this stuff. And he even says this, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. This is what he is saying to the rich people. You, you are not withholding any food you want. You're not withholding any clothes you want. not holding any treasures you want. And you are just fattening yourselves up. And you know what you're fattening yourselves up for? The day of judgment. <laughs> I mean, these are some really hard words. I told you that this would be a hard passage to preach. This is like an Old Testament prophet that is, that is declaring this to the, the people of Israel. James is now, it's like he's been reading this stuff and now he's preaching it to the church there in Jerusalem. And then he says this, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. We read about this in James chapter 2, how there's favoritism in the church and how the rich have control of the courts. And sometimes what they would do is they would use their wealth and their influence and their manipulations of the judges to get their own way. And that's what's being said here, is that that's what they are doing. Now, is this a a literal murdering, or is this something else? I'm going to take it that it is not a literal murdering. Uh, Coming across in my study this week is some Jewish writings that said this, to take away a neighbor's living is to murder him. To deprive an employee of his wages is to shed blood. I think that's the point that's being made here. These rich people who attend a church right alongside everyone else are abusing the resources that God has entrusted them with through hoarding, through acquiring it through uh, unethical ways, and then thirdly, by only using it in selfish ways. Now, what do we do with a passage like this? Well, as I've been thinking about that, I think there's at least two different ways that we can go with this. One, we have just heard some Christians just getting chewed out. Maybe we're in the classroom this morning thinking, I wonder how I'm using my resources. Am I hoarding them? How am I accumulating the resources that God has given to me? Is it always according to the Scriptures? And how precisely am I using His resources? Is it just all about myself? Once again, it's not a, the Bible says enjoy your stuff. That, that's not what's being said here. But these people haven't given a thought. They've been kind of like Joshua, just accumulating stuff, putting in their pockets and not giving a thought at all to the other people. Can you remember a man in the Bible who was very wealthy? He was a chief tax collector. He loved his stuff. And then Jesus came to his house one day. Remember that story in Luke 19? And when Jesus touched his heart, he also touched his pocketbook. His name was Zacchaeus. 
And I'm just looking at this passage right now, and it says in Luke 19, verse 2, this man was a chief tax collector and was rich, according to verse 2. But when Jesus came to his house and he spoke to him, this is what Zacchaeus said back to Jesus. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, evidence that this wealthy man, this rich Zacchaeus, was walking and a follower of Jesus was what he did with his resources. He would now look around and say, God has given me this. How would he have me bless others like we saw Moses do this morning? And so as I'm meditating and thinking through this this week, I think it's, it's about having hands that are not closed to the possessions that God has blessed us with. But to be able to go to each thing that God has given to us and saying, God, if you would have me to pass this on to another person, to be a blessing to them, that this might meet a material need or this possession might help them to hear the gospel more. God, whatever it is, help me not be guilty of the sins of the rich people there and the church there in Jerusalem. God, everything I have is yours and I gladly would give it back to you. Could you say that this morning? I think that's something we ought to glean from this passage as we're hearing someone getting yelled at today. And then secondly, I think we can take from this, is maybe you can identify with one of those laborers. And there is something in your past, maybe just recently or maybe from years ago, that has been unjust, that has been happened to you, and you've had a hard time letting it go. Maybe this morning as you hear this passage, and you hear James letting these people have it, you realize that God will work that out and just release it. It was about four years ago, and our family was in need of a new van. So we went down and we purchased this van, and I did the best I could in researching it. And and we took it for a test drive, and the man that showed it to us uh, was talking, and I I tried to talk to him about the Lord, and I looked over at at my wife and and the boys and then the old van, and I said, do you see my wife over there? Do you see those kids over there? This is who's going to be using this van. Now look me in the eye right now and tell me, is there anything wrong with this van? Is there anything you have not told me about this van? And he looked me right in the eye and he lied to me. He had rolled the odometer. I didn't find out until a few days later when I registered at the DMV. And they, which is never a pleasant experience to begin with, to go to the DMV. But this was only added and enhanced that experience. And as I sat there realizing what this man did and I tried to call him and and tried to make this exchange and just go through all that process and I was never able to do that. A passage like this this morning is very helpful. (laughs) Years ago, I realized that God's going to sort that out. And I would much prefer that this man repent of his sins and get right with God than, than, than any way that we would be compensated for that scam. But there is a releasing, right? 
when we realize that God is going to work that all out and we're just going to let him, justice is his, let him take care of that. So consider your life right now in light of this text. The resources that God has given to you. Does your life look more like Moses, who was down here handing all of those out? Or is it more like Joshua, who was stuffing stuff in his socks and putting stuff in his pockets? Let us compare ourselves to God's word, and when necessary, may we repent and ask for God's grace to change. I'm going to ask Miss Karen to come and play. And instead of just rushing out of, out of here today and hearing our announcements, let's just, let's just think about this passage for a little bit, and I'll give you some time to process it and pray what God would have you to do. I don't know the last time you've done this or if you've ever done this, but I wonder if you would be willing just to consider the resources that God has given to you, whether those are material possessions. It might be money. It might be your home. It might be your vehicle. It could be your time. It could be your, the talents, the gifts that God has given to you. When is the last time you've just, just told him that these are yours and you've just submitted that to him? It would be appropriate, I think, in light of this passage to do that today. So I want you to just take a moment. If you sense that that's what God would have you to do, just to offer yourselves to him again. Father, thank you for a chance just to review a, a hard word today. And if it's in the Bible, then we need to hear it. And so I thank you for a challenging word that just gets to our hearts. And as our words reveal what's going on inside, so do all the resources and how we manage your resources. So may we be a church that holds its palms up and say, you freely given, and now we'll freely give. In Christ's name we pray.